strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, the legendary voice of the Suns, Al McCoy, has announced his retirement, and we want to hear from you. If you'd like to send Al a farewell message and thank him, just text the word Al to 620-620 and submit a video. We may even play it on the air. That's Al to 620-620. Um... The Pentagon says it learned valuable lessons from the Afghanistan withdrawal. Here is my uh, my disappointment in all of this. Um, U.S. acknowledges Afghanistan evacuation should have started sooner. That's a New York Times headline. Um, Joe Biden isn't sorry about his Afghanistan withdrawal. That's an opinion piece, um, and that is from the Wall Street Journal. Um, in the Afghanistan report, the White House blames Donald Trump for lack of planning. Now, well, if the plan sucked, why did you go through with it? I'm just I'm trying to be realistic here. We lost good people during that withdrawal. We made horrible mistakes. Um, I don't want to convolute the subject matter because we're going to uh, talk more about guns later. It's a big conversation in light of what happened in Nashville, and I think it's a conversation that needs to continue. Um, But for an administration – that is dead set on taking – that believe guns are evil. They absolutely believe guns are evil, that they are the cause of problems. They are inanimate objects in my opinion, but they are evil in the minds of this administration and many like them. And yet we left behind tens of thousands of them in an unstable region of the world to be left to the new regime that is oppressing the people in that country. We left 50 caliber automatic guns there. We left uh, equipment there. We left uh, small arms. We left a lot of weapons. And for the people out there that are saying, and this has been the reply from many, well, it was too difficult and it was going to be too long and it was too hard to bring those things back. You could have destroyed them. You could have taken those heavy equipment or the heavy equipment you left there and you could have run those guns over and and rendered them uh, useless. They didn't. They left them there. That's a big part of this. So that's a frustration from someone, just as a side note, a frustration from someone like myself that sees guns as a necessary tool in order to have public safety and personal safety. I am frustrated that they're demonized the way they are because it is usually a good person, sometimes most of the time wearing a badge, but it is a good person with the exact same firearm that is taking out the bad person using a firearm. As a matter of fact, in one case in Texas a few years ago, there was a gunman that had an AR-15, and I believe it was at least an AR-15 type rifle. It might not have been specifically an AR-15, walked into a church. And began to shoot congregants in a church. That person was shot and killed by a private citizen with the exact same rifle. An NRA trained instructor with a rifle killed a bad guy with a rifle. So how do you say that it's the gun that's the problem? But regardless, I want to digress back to this conversation about Afghanistan. We let good people die. We didn't allow the military to do its job. 
We evacuated the military, leaving behind firearms and military equipment before we evacuated citizens, which it goes against everything the military believes in. Um, there was an opportunity to take out the bomber that killed all of those Marines uh, that was not carried out. They said no, they didn't take out the target, and they didn't. It wasn't known to the American public until later that those that they had everything they needed. It fit the profile of what the snipers are looking for. There is a profile, and they have to check all the boxes of what this person is, and all those boxes were checked, and all that needed to happen were the higher ups to give the order to take the shot. And in and they didn't. And then it came to the public's knowledge later on that that was one of the people that uh, killed those Marines. It, it, it's frustrating to the average American. Uh, you know, the, the defense of somebody because they're in your political party when there is no defense is laughable, number one. But secondly, the the idea that you're going to blame it on the previous administration. And let, I'm just going to go with the will of the American people here. The American people said that Joe Biden needed to be elected to fix the problems that were created by former President Trump. Think about the policies day one of the Trump administration that were reversed by the Biden administration. Uh, some of the rules that were set in place, there's one more recently that uh, is going that the Trump administration made it easier to fire federal employees that weren't doing their job. It was in reaction to, in part, to the slow process of firing people at the Veterans Administration after the fraud they committed in the paperwork by acting as if veterans were getting the care they needed much quicker than they actually were. And it, it took a very long time to get rid of a lot of those people. And so that was changed. That was changed back. It was a policy shift. The border policy shifts happened immediately. Um, there were a lot of policies that this administration said, this is wrong. We're not doing this this way. This is not the way Americans do things. Whether you like it or you dislike it, that's the truth. That's what the Biden administration did. The way they carried out that withdrawal is 100 percent on the military leaders and the White House that did it. If the plan was bad, wouldn't the military leaders under President Biden – that he put in place, wouldn't they be the ones to say, hey, Mr. President, this plan is a disaster. People are going to get hurt. Mr. President, we cannot leave tens of thousands of guns when we know who is going to take over the Afghan government. We know that the people of Afghanistan and other parts of the world are going to suffer at the hands of the people that these guns are going to go into. We've got to destroy those weapons, Mr. President, or we've got to take them back to the U.S. But we can't just leave them there to be used. How is anything I'm saying unreasonable? It isn't. So when the White House now has not, when that report comes out and they have to talk about or at least admit that it was a mess, they say it was the previous administration's fault. That's just not reasonable. There's a reason why only one third of Americans want this president to be reelected. This is a lesson for the two major political parties in Republicans and Democrats. If 
you look at some of the things that former President Trump did as president, he had some successes in his presidency, in my opinion. The renegotiation of NAFTA, for one of them, into the USMCA. Other things that he did that we became energy independent with the drop in regulation and the expanse of drilling. And I thought there was, a, you know, the reason why oil prices were as low as they were was our influence around the world. Um, I think I think those were good things. They were overshadowed by the negative things that President Trump did and said, I should say more than anything said, but the things he did as well. And so we elected our country elected Joe Biden as president. And they thought that he was a better option than President Trump. We, I know about the election criticism, but I'm saying it is what it is. Joe Biden won the election because the American people thought in spite of any success that we were having during the Trump administration, Biden was a better option. Now the American people are saying, mm, not so much. One third of the American people want him to run for reelection. Why don't both major parties take a look at what's going on and start sending candidates up that everybody can agree would be do a good job? Would you say that the and this maybe it wasn't you that felt this way, but wouldn't you admit that for many, many Americans, at least the last couple of presidential elections were choosing the lesser of two evils? Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. I'm not being critical of either one. I'm asking what you believe the American sentiment was. Donald Trump versus Hillary Clinton. Donald Trump versus Joe Biden. When are we going to have candidates we're excited about voting for? And that's what a lot of Americans are saying. There are tons of people excited about the prospect of President Trump running again. But. When are we going to have someone or a few candidates that people think, man, either one of those might be good for the country? I don't know if it's possible. Um, President Biden has released new Title IX rules. I'll explain why this is important coming up here in just a couple of moments. And you can say, you can say. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. All right. Who would have ever thought we'd live long enough to see the day that Roseanne Barr was hotter than Madonna? Whoever thought we'd live to see that? Have you seen the pictures? It's amazing. Roseanne Barr's had some work done, but so is Madonna. And I'm, I'm just saying, that's all. Uh, but I love Madonna's music. Back, I, mean, I was a, I was a horrible. Well, I say horrible, and, and I'm glad we didn't have cell phones and pictures because I was fully an 80s kid. So uh, anyway, thanks for being here. Hope you've got a great weekend planned for Easter. Um, President Biden releases new Title IX rules that bar states from banning transgender students competing in sports. Looks like the Supreme Court's not going to take this case up. I asked this question yesterday, and it wasn't a rhetorical question. I mean this sincerely. Are we ever going to come to some conclusion on this trans thing that's going on? And the reason why I say that is because whether or not it is that trans people began to push and people were pushing back, we now know that this is a huge issue in our country. Now, I've known trans people and it's not a new thing by the way let's let's acknowledge this is nothing new uh, one of my favorite movies from the 1970s 
um, is a movie with uh, with um, Dog Day Afternoon is what it's called. It's with uh, um, Al Pacino, and he plays a bank robber in the movie. It is really one of Al Pacino's best performances. It was uh, him and the actor that plays Fredo in the, in the Godfather are in, are bank robbers. But it turns out in the movie that Al Pacino is a married man with two children, but he is robbing this bank to pay for his boyfriend's surgery to become a woman. And so this was this was a movie filmed in the 1970s. So this is not a new topic. It's just one that seems to be the topic of the day. But how far does this go? What does fairness really look like? And I want to lay out a couple of things with the time I have. Um, when it comes to the restroom usage, I want to th- I really want people to think from both sides. This is about comfort. Because there are trans people that are saying they don't feel comfortable using the restroom in their, uh, I guess would say their biological restroom. How's that sound? They are genetically or they are biologically, physically they are still a male. They feel more comfortable using the ladies room. So that's then that means all the rules have to be changed. What about the biological females that identify as a female that say I'm not comfortable with a man in a dress, no offense, still anatomically a male. I'm not comfortable in the restroom with that person. We're still talking about comfort. Whose comfort wins out? When you talk about athletes in sports, we have worked very hard in this country, and I think it's a very good thing to make sure that women and girls have an opportunity to participate in sports. I think it's one of the greatest things. My Both of my nieces were fantastic athletes, and my one, my oldest niece is still a barrel racer, but they all, they played basketball, they played soccer, um, they were just both very good athletes. Um, and my nephew is a great high school athlete right now. And I loved going to see the girls play as much as the, as the boys play. And it's a good thing that we have rules in place and fairness so that women have the same access in college sports as the men do. Is it fair to have somebody who has a biological super advantage, especially in very physical sports, that someone that is still biologically a male, even if you say in your mind, I feel like I should have been born a woman. Is it fair to allow them to dominate in female sports? We're still talking about fairness. Nobody's life is on the line. Nobody's going to die. This is about what's fair. Isn't there uh, isn't respect something that's mutual? Here's what I mean by this. If the expectation, I'm an older guy, I'm 55 years old, I'm almost 56, set in my ways. If I am expected to understand that, hey, listen, there are people out there that are going through this transition that feel as if they are not, they weren't born the gender they should be, and they're living as someone else, and you're just going to have to accept it. I can deal with that. But is there reciprocal respect? Isn't it then, isn't it possible that people in the trans community have to understand that people don't get it, that you are different in the minds of people, that when they see you, there is a period of time that they have to adjust to what you're doing. And the way you handle it is going to dictate largely how they respond to it. I told this story before. Um, I had a trans person working for me on a job site, and it was a big construction site. It was the remodeling of a resort, and um, I had a trans person that was working on the job site. It was a man transitioning into a woman and was still anatomically, biologically male, 
had some work done, was taking hormones, um, but would and would show up, um, you know, and at work every day and go to work. And the very first day that she was on the job was a shock to the people on this job site, as you might expect. Um, and then we'd have a job meeting every day, and I would give assignments as to what room people were going to be remodeling that day. You and you were going to be here, and you and you were going to be here. And in that meeting, I said, go with him. And she corrected me and said, her. I said, okay, I'm sorry. We went out of the meeting. I again identified him as him. He corrected me or she corrected me and said, no, it's her. So at once everybody was dismissed into their rooms, I went to the room that she was remodeling and I pulled her aside and I said, listen, I'm really sorry. It wasn't intentional. And she said to me, it takes him getting used to. That's somebody that realizes you're walking in a world where people don't get it sometimes and the way you handle it is better. It dictates how other people handle it. By the time that job was over, that was one of the last employees I had in that job because she was such a good worker that I wanted to keep her. And she was accepted by everyone on the job site. There were jokes, like there's jokes about everybody. I don't care if you're too tall, you're too short, you're fat, you're dark, you're light, you're albino. doesn't matter. People are going to crack jokes. But there was a respect that she earned on that job site. Isn't there a place in all of this where there's got to be give and take on both sides? It's not just one-sided. It's not fair to be one-sided. You can't tell parents that you have a young girl with all the body issues that come with preteens and teenage girls that you're going to go in a locker room and you're going to change in front of somebody that's a, an, anatomically a boy and expect them to accept it. it. It doesn't make any sense. And until we have mutual respect, none of this ever changes. None of it ever changes. Coming up in a moment, we are going to speak with Steve Wilkos. I don't know if you remember Steve's show. He's been on for 17 years. He's on AZTV. He is in town for a very special event for Special Olympics. I'm going to talk about it with him next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. One of my favorite events that happens each year, it's called the Guardian Games for Special Olympics Arizona. Sanderson Ford sponsors it, and what it does is it partners up members of the media, members of the first responder community, and Special Olympians. It raises awareness and money for Special Olympics Arizona. It is such a great event to see the first responders and athletes turn out, and it's just a great time. And when you get to meet and spend time with the Special Olympians, it is something that is so moving. Um, you just fall in love with these kids and these Olympians because they are just the best. Uh, joining us right now is a name you'll recognize. Steve Wilkos is joining us. His show is entering its 17th season. Steve, it's good to talk to you again. Oh, thanks for having me on. Hey, Steve, um, let's talk. Let's first talk about why you're in town. How is it at the Guardian Games? Well, I'll tell you, I mean, this is my first time out here for the Guardian Games, and uh, it's super impressive. I mean, I really mean that. Uh, the energy level, the people that are volunteering, uh, the policemen, uh, the first responders that are out here that support this event, and then meeting the athletes. Uh, it's just really just a great event. It's uh, I couldn't be happier to be here. Yeah, I remember the first time I was at the games. It is such a touching time to be with these Special Olympians and their family members, and just the joy that happens all day long is, is just phenomenal. 
Well, you know, the, the one girl said, uh, the one uh, uh, athlete was saying, and it really resonated with me. I didn't even think about it, but she said, you know, a lot of times these uh, uh, special athletes can be isolated, right? Like they feel cut off. And these games make them feel back into the community that they feel that they are getting support. People are recognizing them. And I never really thought about it that way. And uh, that's really important for them. And, you know, just like uh, most of us, uh, so many of these athletes and their families have such respect and admiration for the first responders that come out. So they actually feel like they're getting to partner up with some of their heroes and competing all day long. Yeah, and I, I always said, you know, especially with my experience of being a Chicago police officer, you really have to engage in the community. You have to give back. Um, it's really important for people to see that, you know, policemen are not bad guys. They're there to help. They're there to support. Um, so it's it's a two-way street, you know. They're supporting these athletes, but then people see the, the policemen are there. They're good guys, good women, and uh, I just think it's a, it's a good two-way street thing. Steve Wilkos is joining us. He is entering his 17th season with his TV show on AZTV7. It airs at 2 and and 3 p.m. on AZTV7 here in town. But also, you've spent 30 years in television. What what is more, uh, which is more surprising to you or the one that means the most to you? 30 years in television or the fact that you've got one of only four syndicated shows that's lasted as long as yours? Yeah, I mean, uh, (laughs) never, first of all, I, I really should be a, a retired policeman now, right? Like, right. nobody joins the police force, so now I'm over the old TV show. So uh, that's kind of crazy. But, you know, the fact, you know, when I, when I was on the Springer show, you know, Jerry was a huge star, and it was a big show for a long time. Very fortunate to be part of it. But then to get my own show and for it to last this long, because when my show launched, people were, like, laughing in my face. They're like, you're not going to last 13 weeks. Oh, Jerry Springer's bodyguard, what a joke. And, you know, to be here, and, and not only be here 17 years, uh, I get letters, I get emails from people saying, hey, you you know, I never met you, but watching your show, I got out of this uh, domestic situation that uh, I finally escaped, or you helped me get off drugs, or, you know, things of that nature. And, um, you know, so that's what I really take, uh, you know, pride in is that, you know, listen, the show's an entertainment show. We're out there trying to entertain. So that's what TV's about. But to make an impact on the viewers at home's lives, uh, I, I take a lot of pride in that. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, one of the guys uh, at the control room was saying, I love he, I love his show. And, and, and uh, I was telling him I got to meet you the last time you were out here. And I said the way I described you was nicer than you would have imagined. And everybody imagines you're going to be a great guy. Is that what you attribute your success to, that you're so relatable to people? Well, I, I think, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not Brad Pitt or, you know, some big TV star. Or, you know, I'm just a guy. I think that people, even if they've never met me, they feel very comfortable. Like, I'm their next-door neighbor. I'm the cop that they know on their beat. So, like, if people come up and I, even my wife goes, do we know them? And I'm like, no. But <laughs> they just, they interact with me like they've known me their whole lives. And for some of these people, it's true because even some of the kids that are working on this AZTV, they're like, you know, I've watched you my whole life. And they're like 40 years old, and, you know, because I've been on TV for 30 years now. So uh, it is kind of crazy. Um, when it comes to the Guardian Games, um, have you been – I was so touched. And it's funny to see people that are pretty hard on the exterior, cops, firefighters, first responders in general. But to see them emotional – 
um, pretty special. And there, I know that there's have been a lot of that today as well. Have you seen that emotional uh, side of some of the first responders? Oh yeah, and you know you know what I think it is is because you know as policemen and even firemen and EMTs, you know, you kind of got to be a hard ass when you're in the streets, right? Like you know, you got to have that hard exterior. And then when you're here, I think they let their guard down and they see, you know, the adversity that these athletes overcome, and it is emotional. And um, I, I think it's a chance for these first responders to really. Kind of let their guard down, you know? And that's who do you think it benefits more? Does it benefit you being there with them or them being there with you? You know, uh, like I said, it's it's great for me. I love, uh, listen, I love being out with the people in the community. Um, you have a connection. You know, you know, when you just do your TV show from the studio, you know, you're, you're not seeing, you know, outside your studio. So when I get to, the different markets and I go out and I do things like this, it's really good for me to connect with people and, and get feedback on the show. But it's I think it's also great for uh, the athletes. They get to see people supporting them. It I, you know, definitely pumps them up. I think it motivates them. They really like they want to do great. So uh, it, I think all the way around it benefits everybody. Well, Steve, it is great to talk with you again, uh, and I so appreciate you coming in town and supporting the Guardian Games because I love Sanderson Ford. I love those games, and to have you out there means a lot to us, and especially since we're both affiliated with AZTV, I think it's great that you're there, and I appreciate the time this morning. Well, thanks for having me on, and uh, hopefully this will be a yearly thing moving forward. Yeah, it would be great. Thank you, Steve. That is uh, Steve Wilkos uh, from the Steve Wilkos Show. Great guy and in town for the Guardian Games for Special Olympics Arizona. Coming up in a moment, um, a judge takes no action on the execution of Aaron Gunches. We'll talk about the implications coming up in just a moment. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Uh, I'm not sure if it's a good thing, a bad thing. It's a little scary for me when I listen to uh, Gatos in the afternoon and I say, wow, I really agree with him. But I heard something from the show yesterday. I thought, you know what? I, I agree. And it made me question everything I believe in. But it's the truth. And it has to do with... Um, this judge taking no action to force Arizona to carry out an execution. And here's the reason why. Um, what happened is uh, that I want you to hear a representative. This is a representative of the governor during the hearing yesterday about all of this. This is a representative from the governor's office giving her condolences and apologies on behalf of the governor to the family members of the victim. I'd like to take a moment, Your Honor, if I may, um, to convey to Ms. Price, Ms. Kay, and their families on behalf of Governor Hobbs and the director um, our sincere condolences for the unspeakable loss that they've suffered and the pain that we know they continue to live with. We see them, we feel for them, and we feel for every Arizonan who's a victim of a crime. If you are dealing with somebody's life hanging in the balance, and you are with this Aaron Gunches, who has said he wanted to be executed, he wants it carried out quickly— but you're talking about someone's life. You are also talking to people whose loved ones have been brutally murdered by this person. And you are the person that has stood up and said, we are not following through with 
this warrant. It has been going on for 21 years. Uh, uh, there was a trial or there is an appeal. There has been multiple appeals. There have been doctors involved. All of the dots have been uh, all of the I's have been dotted. All of the T's have been crossed. And now the only thing standing in the way is the governor saying, hey, you know what? I'm not sure we do these executions the right way. And we're going to figure that out. So we're stopping it until then. And you don't show up in court. You don't show up even virtually at this meeting yourself and explain to the court why and explain especially you send a representative to apologize to these families. It appears weak. It appears evasive. The, there is, has been a reputation, whether you think it's justified or not, and there are many people that don't think the reputation is justified. But whether you believe it's justified or not, there are a lot of people that believe – that this governor was afraid to debate during the general election. She refused to debate in the primary. She refused to debate in the general. And there are many people that said that's a sign of weakness. And now you've got the first, and there have been a lot of important issues, but the first very big emotional issue to people, and it's the death penalty. I don't expect her to change her stance on it, but you've got to be willing to come out and explain it. And that's the difference. You have got to do it. And she she didn't. This issue is not going away. It carries over into June. We're going to see what happens next. But in the meantime, you are giving the impression to these families that it wasn't important enough for you to show up. And that is I'm sorry, that is factual that they are going to see this as, well, what were you doing What happened that day that was so important that you couldn't defend this decision and you couldn't say something to the families? And whether it was in the courtroom or you made a phone call, it looks weak. I'm going to give you an example outside of this. The vice president of the United States was named the border czar. Her job was to uh, solve the problems in our border issues. And she was asked a lot. Are you going to the border? Are you going to the border? Are you going to the border? And at one time she laughed because and I don't think she laughed because she thought it was funny. I think that she has what is the very horrible habit. And it is for some people a nervous habit that when you get nervous, you laugh. You, you don't think it's funny, but there's that nervous laughter. And someone said, are you going to the border? And she giggled and said, not today. And it gave the appearance that she just didn't care about the issue. Whether it's true or not, that's the appearance. Then she went to the border one time in a very controlled environment at a very controlled point of entry in El Paso, Texas. And she's never been back. The attitude of the American people, with the exception of the of the people that are connected to her politically, um, is that she doesn't care about the issue, that this is not a priority for this administration. This is the appearance here. The politics of this now is starting to get ugly. This could have been a moral issue, and most people understand the moral debate. Pro-life, pro-choice is a moral issue as much as it's a legal issue, but we all get it. Pro-death penalty or anti-death penalty is a moral and legal issue. The governor believes legally she had the ability to stop it, and she did. 
But morally, to not go to those victims, if you truly understand that these families have been waiting for 20 plus years for this to be over with, and you believe it's serious enough to stop it, that there's a serious enough issue with the uh, death penalty to stop it, you owe that family an explanation. You owe that family to show up and say, I'm sorry. Here is why I believe this needs to be stopped. I know that this hurts you. I know this prolongs your agony. But I believe it's the right thing to do. And even if they don't like you, they'll respect you. And I think this shows uh, it gives the appearance of a great deal of disrespect to the families, certainly a complete lack of concern for their feelings to have one of your representatives interject during the hearing that you didn't even bother to show up to. Oh, by the way, thoughts and prayers. We're sorry. And I say that intentionally because we know that nobody wants to hear thoughts and prayers when there's a mass shooting. We have to do something. Well, why is it good for the goose and not good for the gander? I just think this was a major, major PR mistake for this governor. And we'll see if I'm right about that in the long run. Coming up just after 11 o'clock, March payrolls are the lowest in 27 months and wages are going down. We're going to talk about the state of our economy coming up next.